I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Super Bowl 55 is one year from today. Mark it on your calendars. The countdown has begun. It will be Tampa Bay's fifth Super Bowl and their third at Raymond James Stadium. But the game and the community may not recognize each other. Both have grown wildly since the last time it was here in 2009. Where is the community in its preparation for the big game? And what can we learn from Super Bowl 54? We're going to ask Rob Higgins, the executive director of Tampa Bay Sports Commission and the CEO of the Tampa Bay Super Bowl 55 host committee on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Steve, I was uh, sort of adding up my Super Bowls that I've attended, and I'm starting to feel like, uh, well, one of the older guys. Let's maybe just maybe say. you're a little older than you want to admit. <laughs> yeah, like about 20 years older than I want to admit. Um, but I had a couple uh, hiccups in there. Um, did one when I was really young, and then and then missed about five of them because I wasn't covering the NFL. Uh, and then had had one where I was in Indianapolis. I was six, so that doesn't count. And I think I missed Atlanta, although I did the Hall of Fame vote there, but I didn't do the game. So I think Tampa is going to be like number 30 for me. So I've, I've been around uh, to a few of these games, to say the very least, and um, we had a question about yeah. that. I, I, re- I read a story back. last week. There's one reporter that's covered yeah. every Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. There's only one. Jerry Green yes. from Detroit. Yes, only yeah. one that's covered every one. So. We were down to like two or three, I think, a year ago, and then uh, one of the gentlemen um, said, it, he, you know, discretion was a better part of valor. His legs just weren't going to hold up mm-hmm. if he had to travel. So uh, Jerry Green was the last uh, last guy standing that's been to every single Super Bowl, and I think he's well into his 80s now, but he was there. Yeah, it was and, kind of an uh, accident by the first one, too. He wasn't supposed to cover it and then ended up yeah. doing it and then hasn't missed one, so. That's crazy, right? I mean, yeah. Can you imagine 54 of those things? So maybe he'll hopefully make it to Super Bowl 55, but I haven't been to quite that many. Although your, your seats do get better if you go to more of them. <laughs> I've noticed <laughs> I'm, I'm noticed I'm getting close to the 50-yard line. Now I'm sitting next to guys like, you know, Peter King and Sam Farmer and okay. some of the guys some of the guys have been to a few of them. So Well, this will that, be my first one news. next year. I've not been to a Super. I've been to oh, a lot really? of big events, but oh, I've wow. not been to a Super Bowl before. So I'll tell you what, it's there's not I mean, there is a um there's a real I I, I mean, it's not it you, you find out right away, especially in the day and age we live in, right, with all the security. I mean, they build concrete perimeters around these buildings for Super Bowl and, and as you can imagine, it's got to be something that's uh, you know, that's heavily guarded and and um so that that part is obvious, but once you get in the stadium, um, you you understand this is something you've never you never really experienced before. It it really is electric, and I don't know how the players catch their breath. You know, I've heard stories of guys, you know, through the first quarter, you know, realizing that you know they're exhausted because um, they're just so hyped, you know, mm-hmm. and it, it so much is on the line, and and. It goes really fast. Like I've I've talked to players who say, you know, I looked up and there was like three minutes left in the game, and I'm like, what happened? We you know we just got here, um, because every play is magnified, and um, you know, 
you know, the flash bulbs going off on the kickoff and the national anthem. Of course, the pregame is longer and the halftime is longer. So, uh, but it's it's really a, a cool thing. I hope everybody gets to at least a ten one one day. I know the tickets will be tough to come by as they always are. Um, but uh, but yeah, it's pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. We had a question, I think, in our mailbag. Uh, about about the Super Bowl. Yeah, we didn't uh, get to it yesterday, to... but Ellis uh, uh, emailed or tweeted us, actually. Uh, what city gave you the best Super Bowl experience and why? Well, um, it's a great question. I, I will say this. I, I've been to the northern ones. You know, they had one in New York, and we were lucky in the sense that uh, when we got off the bus game day, it was only 55 degrees. Of course, by the time we left the stadium, the snow had started to fall, and I think it fell for about three straight days. In fact, I was locked into LaGuardia for 16 hours. So that that one I eliminated. And then Minnesota was god-awful cold. Uh, they managed to pull it off there. But uh, I'm not a fan of the Northern Super Bowls. I've been to two in Minnesota over my career. Everyone raved that, about Indy. Indy. Indy was interesting, um, even though I was ill. But Indy was interesting in that it's um, – and I go there every year in February for the Combine – it's such a centralized sort of city in terms of lots of hotel rooms. Um, you can walk out of your hotel. There's tons of restaurants, and you really don't have to leave. Um, you can be on foot pretty much throughout the entire, you know, the entire experience. Uh, big convention center, you know, lots, lots of, uh, of places. Um, you know, they had, uh, I don't know, they, they had a lot of neat things. They got lucky, too, with the weather. It was very balmy for Indianapolis that time of year where it can be absolutely, you know, in the single digits sometimes. So, again, cold weather, Super Bowls, you're really running the risk. Uh, I'm not for them. I think you have to have a palm tree to have a Super Bowl. If you can grow a palm tree, you can have a Super Bowl. Um, and for that reason, um, you know, there's a couple places. I mean, New Orleans is is obviously the default place. I mean, they've had a bunch of them, probably as many as anywhere. And and the thing about New Orleans is you can't destroy the town, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's Bourbon Street. It's... Uh, you know, Canal and, and all the great restaurants and um, hotels galore. It's a convention city. Uh, they just wash it down with a hose at night. <laughs> but there's a certain there's a certain amount of uh, a layer of dirt that you're going to have to encounter as well there. Um, but they've they've always done a decent job. The, the place that I've gone and I, my favorite place is Tampa. I mean, I'll exclude Tampa for the sake of argument because I don't think that's what the questioner wanted. But Tampa sort of offers the best of everything. You have the the, the compactness that you want in terms of the downtown where you can go from the convention center um, to Amelie arena for events, uh, you know, walk down the river, lots, lots of entertainment venues, take a trolley to Ebor, all that. And yet the stadium's only seven miles away. The airport is just a couple miles from there. So for people that come in here, I, I really do believe that Tampa has sort of the, the best mix. Um, and similar to that out of town would be Arizona. I've had some good experiences at Arizona Super Bowls. Now, because Scottsdale and Phoenix are spread out, um, Scottsdale usually gets a lot of the night night entertainment and parties and things like that. Phoenix, not so much, except for the arena down there where they play uh, NBA basketball and they host the uh, you know Super Bowl Monday night and things like that. So I, I I've enjoyed Arizona for the same reason. The weather's good. Um, you know, you have just enough space and and compactness that you require. So. Those are probably those have probably been my favorites. I mean, I have had good experiences and 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 of course great halftime shows. The Rose Bowl was unique. I've only been there once for for that game. Um, you know, San Francisco hosted one at Levi Stadium, but you were able to stay in the city, and I love the city of San Francisco. Um, so there's there's been some some interesting ones on the West Coast. I think what's going to happen now is we're going to see a whole bunch of them 
in Los Angeles. I think that stadium is sort of the league's jewel. They put a lot of money in it as a league, and I think you're seeing a lot of events there, maybe even combines, maybe the draft, all kinds of stuff. And then Las Vegas, um, you can bet we'll get one before long since they built a stadium there for the Raiders. That's usually what happens after a stadium is built. So that'll be interesting to see how Vegas, the Vegas and the Super Bowl coming together. That would be that would be interesting as well. So there are there are some good spots, but uh, yeah, give me palm trees, give me uh, give me Arizona, but mostly give me Tampa Bay. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Okay, Rob Higgins is the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission and CEO of the Tampa Bay Super Bowl 55 host committee. He joins us now. Rob, we're exactly one year away. Uh, from kickoff to Super Bowl 55 in Tampa. I'm wondering, like, is there, do you have that clock that runs backwards somewhere on your desk or in your office? Is that, is that something you're keenly aware of? No, but I have it in my, I have it in my head, and I'm, I'm, I am very familiar. Fe, uh, Feb seven to Feb seven makes it a year. So, uh, it, it's, it's fun to officially be on the clock. Yeah. You're definitely on the clock, and I know there's been a, a ton of preparation so far and a lot more to come. Um, you're just back from Super Bowl uh, 54 in Miami and other parts unknown, but um, just wanted to get your general. Like You've been to a lot of these, obviously. I saw you uh, in Minnesota, and, of course, you went to Atlanta in preparation for this. Um, what what was your impressions about about the, uh, the event in Miami, and, and, and what are some of the things you might have learned uh, with your staff down there? Well, every year uh, it just gets bigger, and when you think yeah. you you can't get any bigger, it it, it manages to to grow a little more. So, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's always going to be the top takeaway. I've probably been to every one of them since like oh four, oh five, somewhere in there, and mm-hmm. and uh, somehow, some way, it gets a, a little bigger. And then the other thing that I I think that you know the NFL deserves a, a ton of credit on is is every year they find a way to make it more accessible as well. Uh, so from a standpoint of you know Super Bowl Live and Super Bowl Experience and all of those different things, just because you don't have a, a game ticket doesn't mean you can't still create Super Bowl memories. And that's, that's a, a, another thing that um, you, know, you, you walk away from Super Bowl 54 seeing, wow, the NFL yet again did a fantastic job. Uh, trying to keep, create opportunities for both locals and visitors alike uh, to have a, an experience with Super Bowl. Yeah, and that that's what's going to happen here, of course, and it's, it's changed a lot. It has The game has grown. The events around it have grown since 2009 dramatically. Um, one of those you just mentioned, uh, you know, the Super Bowl Live, which is the, uh, you know, the Monday night that kicks off Super Bowl week. Just describe to people sort of what that is and, and how that might play into, uh, you know, into Tampa's uh, Super Bowl. Well, you got really uh, three different uh, things happening. Uh, first, you've got Super Bowl experience, which they had down in Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center, and that's like the, you know, I would say 
football amusement park of sorts. You know, pump, pass, and kick your way through with your family uh, through the the convention center. A lot of great corporate activations. Uh, second, they've had Super Bowl Live uh, that was located in Bayfront Park. That's really pr- pr- produced by the the host committee, uh, free and open to the the public. Um, great festival of sorts, everything from some some concerts to a lot of different corporate activations, great food and beverage, those type of things. And then a third is is opening night, which uh, which took place uh, as you and I both attended, I believe, at at Marlins Park uh, with the two teams about five years ago. They added in a fan component to it, uh, where where fans uh, can can attend and listen in via headset to all the different interviews, get a chance to see the their favorite players from from the two teams. So, getting a lot of connectivity from a fan standpoint, and and a pretty cool opportunity for again locals and visitors to immerse themselves in the Super Bowl experience. Yeah, and I I would uh, assume I mean we have in addition to Raymond James Stadium, which we know is is booked for the Super Bowl. Uh, the, there's a lot of other venues, fortunately, in in this area that have that have you know been upgraded. I mean, what Jeff Venick has done to Emily Arena. Um, you know, just talk about sort of the, the the marriage that there will be between some of these events and what Tampa has now. Well, I think we really have the. The, the best of both worlds here in in our community. The reason why I say that is because we've got this, you know, tight downtown footprint, this, you know, championship campus of sorts where you can create an experience all the way leading up to game day uh, that's, that's walkable and along the river walk, utilizing a lot of the great venues we have downtown from Emily Arena to the convention center, uh, to these fantastic parks that are located along our beautiful waterways. And then uh, you've got the, the stadium campus, which is only you know, seven to ten minutes from here, um, mm-hmm. where it's not right on top of everything going on uh, from an overall event standpoint. So, you know, we, we consider it to be, you know, just the right fit. I think in, in some cases you've got scenarios where the stadiums are located in downtown and maybe that uh, creates these pinch points where everything is happening all at one time and it's tough to have, you know, the, the absolute best preparation from a stadium standpoint. Whereas here, I think our stadium can get prepared for game day, but it's not too far either where you're, you know, you're not in a situation where you're, uh, you know, traveling for minutes or hours uh, to be able to get to your game day experience. So we think it's just right, and uh, we're really excited about uh, the way that our, our footprint uh, sets up for our community's fifth Super Bowl. And the thing that I think, uh, you know, certainly the the Super Bowl, you know, provides for an opportunity for so many people to come to this area, right, and and maybe – Maybe they haven't been back since since the last Super Bowl, but I think as much as the Super Bowl has changed, we've you've talked about this, Rob. I mean, our community has changed, and and people are gonna gonna see a different Tampa as well as we'll see a different Super Bowl. It, it's shaping up a year from now to be this week of of shock and awe, and I say that from a standpoint of I think you've got the convergence of two different parties, as you alluded to that are going to be blown away by how the other has grown. So as I referenced as the takeaway from Super Bowl 54, 
I mean, the Super Bowl just continues to grow, and to think about how far it's come just in the last few years, let alone since 2009, I think our community is going to be blown away by by just how big of a spectacle it it is. And then on the opposite side of the fence, I mean, I've been talking to a variety of key stakeholders from the NFL side of things that haven't been back since 2009. And you you look at the way that our community has grown, not only from a downtown standpoint, as I referenced, but regionally. And this is a regional event. I mean, Pinellas is going to be ultra-involved. Uh, all of our surrounding counties, Pasco, you know, Bradenton, Sarasota, this this takes a, an overall regional effort. And you look at the growth as a region that we've had, it's been tremendous too. So it's going to be pretty cool to see that convergence of, uh, of growth come a year from now. And, and naturally, as I mentioned, we, we couldn't be more excited about it. It does take uh, a lot of cooperation. And um, this game uh, and this event, you know, when you consider – security when you consider the different agencies that have to be involved just what has what has been the total cooperation that that you've had to have um from so many municipalities and 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 so many different committees well first and foremost i think it's that reputation uh that allowed us to be in this position to begin with yeah. uh, you, you know with LA's stadium construction falling behind uh the NFL needed to turn to a trusted partner where they knew they had a plug-and-play community where it'd be easy to do business, where they had, you know, um, specialists at each of the different areas that had proven experience. And and I, I think that it's that reputation of Team Tampa Bay and all the agencies pulling together. It's that cooperative spirit that uh, allowed us to step into that role for, for 2021. You know, it was funny down in – Miami. I was all over the place uh, at a variety of different meetings, taking a lot of notes and, and pictures, and and trying to look at it from a lot of different lenses. And I'd see a lot of our user groups, um, a lot of our teammates, whether it be you know HCSO or TPD. I'd be at Super Bowl Live in a meeting. I'd see these guys walking by, taking notes and pictures, or I'd be at the media center and I'd I'd see uh, different folks that are are helping lead the charge with all these different components. So I can tell you uh, it was a really produ- productive trip from a lot of different angles, and I'm just really excited and pleased with how everybody from, from a Team Tampa, Team Tampa Bay standpoint is preparing to make sure that their specific area shines on the brightest of stages. All right, Hillsborough Sheriff Chad Cronister was down there as well. You got a chance to talk to him, so you're right. A lot of uh, a lot of people doing their homework on that. You also have a couple of co-chairmen that have been uh, helpful in this effort. Will Weatherford, of course, and Derek Brooks. What better than to have number fifty-five for Super Bowl fifty-five? And uh, I know you had a chance to talk to him. You did a podcast uh, every day down there at the Super Bowl. Was the first one in, last one out on Radio Row. But Derek stopped by, and and this is you know we know he has a lot of jobs, right? I mean he's he's the you know the NFL arbiter of the fines and all those things uh in the discipline but um he's really he's really dove in he told this story rob maybe you can relate it that like he was he takes out his notebook when he got off the airplane at, at, in miami it's funny it, he almost we we've been meeting so much and talking so much it's like we almost repeat everything that each other <laughs> says uh and, and we've we've taken a lot of the same approach it was cool i flew into Miami and and took out the camera and was 
was making a lot of notes on it. He flew into Fort Lauderdale, so we're sitting there comparing <laughs> notes. His story was a little was a little funnier than mine, though, from a, a standpoint of he came in with, with Booger McFarland. And right. so Derek immediately walks off the plane, and he's starting to look at their decor. He's starting to talk to their volunteers, all the same things that that, <laughs> that I did at the Miami International Airport. And Booger is saying, like, Derek, we got to go get our bags. Let's get out of here. What are you doing? And Derek's like, Booger, I'm going to need a few minutes. <laughs> and so, so it was pretty funny uh, to hear him, him talk about that. And he held up Booger's trip uh, to the hotel for a few minutes as he was had his co-chair hat on and getting it done. But, man, these two guys, between him and, and Will Weatherford, they've provide such, provided such great uh, perspective, such great insight. They're in the trenches helping make these decisions, and, and they couldn't be better ambassadors. Uh, I just keep saying to people that, that uh, talk about you know 55 being led by number 55 and how great that is, I just keep saying, guys, it ain't cute, it ain't ceremonial. I promise <laughs> you. Uh, the guy was a Hall of Famer and a top 100 player because of the way that he prepares and the way that he executes, and he's doing both those right now at a really high level when it comes to Super Bowl 55. No doubt about that. And, of course, we talked about Raymond James. This will be the third Super Bowl in that stadium. But it is not the same venue. It is not the same stadium. And um, just talk about the commitment that the Glazers made and, and how instrumental that was in first and uh, getting the Super Bowl awarded here after L.A. Uh, needed that that respite. And, and just uh, what a different building it will be. They're still, uh, in talking to Brian Ford, have uh, you know enhancements that will be made before that game. Uh, they just continue to re- refresh that building to keep it at the top of the league in terms of being state-of-the-art and, and the fan experience. It's a $160 million renovation over the last few years. You know, the mm-hmm. Glazer family, through their generosity, contributed about $130 million of that. You look at what it was built back in the late 90s for, I mean, that's basically doubling the investment. And to think... Uh, that it's getting its its third Super Bowl is uh, is awesome, and what a return on investment that has been. As you compare it to, you know, around the, the league and and what you know, new stadiums are being built for uh, these days. I, I think it just shows um, you know how uh, diligent our community was in in terms of the way that it was built, and then you know the commitment they've had has been awesome in terms of. Uh, the reinvestment to to keep it state of the art. Rob, the handoff was was on Monday, of course, uh, bright and early after the Super Bowl, and, and uh, Roger Goodell was there. This is the fifth Super Bowl Tampa has hosted. I know Miami just did their eleventh, but five is quite a few. There's a real trust, I guess, as you mentioned, uh, when when the NFL had to turn to a city uh, for this bid after L.A. Just talk about the, the, the relationship that and, and the respect the league has for, for this area and hosting its ability to put on this game. Well, first and foremost, we're just so grateful that they've entrusted us with that, with that decision. I mean, that was a, really our first comments uh, at that handoff on, on Monday morning was just to thank the NFL. It's such a right. huge decision that benefits the community in so many different ways, not only economically from a tourism standpoint, but but from a social impact standpoint, the commitment is immense uh, from the NFL in terms of giving back to the community, and then uh, the marketing visibility that that our community receives. So 
um, we're, we're again we're just so lucky that they they made that decision. But we feel like it it has a lot to do with um, you know the teamwork and the cooperative spirit that our our community always tries to be. We want to be the the greatest of, of partners to them. We want to make sure that it's easy for them uh, to do business here. We want to. Make sure they know that um, we'll do everything we can to be the best teammate possible, and and that that really starts through the bid process uh, in terms of us making promises that that we not only keep but hopefully exceed, uh, and then goes all the way through uh, trying to make sure this is a long term relationship. We don't want to do events just one time. We want to keep them coming back and. And with a strong enough partnership, as you've seen with some of the events that we've done over recent years, that's 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 the goal, and that's what's fortunately happened. Rob, the Super Bowl is the biggest event uh, in the world, really, in some respects. But uh, you've also got a lot of really big events in addition to the Super Bowl coming up in, in short order. Uh, talk about whether it's WrestleMania, the NCAA basketball first and second rounds is in March. Of course, March Madness. You, you're finalist again for the Women's Final Four. I mean, there's there's a lot going on. And Tampa Bay is going to be right in the middle of it. Yeah, what an exciting run that we've that we've been on, and and that we've got coming up. Um, you look March nineteenth and twenty first, NCAA Men's March Madness returns. That's our fourth time posting since two thousand three. Uh, Emily Arena has been such a great partner on and uh, on it, as has our host institution, uh, USF. Uh, that's that's one of my favorite events. Um, I should say all all the events are my favorite. But I'll say uh, with with men's first and second round. I mean, what a cool that you know that first day on that Thursday to have four games. You may remember back in '08 where we had all the buzzer four beaters. Upsets. Yeah, I yeah. think it was the only. I think it's probably still the only site that had two twelves and two thirteens advance. Uh, yeah. So again, a fantastic event, and then. Just a couple weeks later, we'll have our very first WrestleMania. Um, just to, to have that opportunity, that's an event we've gone after for for more than ten years. But you look at like the rich tradition, the long-standing relationship with the WWE. It's it's really more than than ten or eleven years long overdue. It's 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 thirty six years overdue, and and uh, that's there's going to be. You know, over seventy thousand people in Raymond James Stadium for for the main event, WrestleMania thirty six. But then there's four arena events that take place throughout the week with Hall of Fame, uh, NXT, SmackDown Live, and Raw taking place at Emily Arena. And then they've got a great fan fest uh, with um, WrestleMania Access that'll be have several sessions at the Tampa Convention Center. So you talk about the Super Bowl being so much more than one game. Uh, WrestleMania is going to be a great, you know, five-day run of uh, of sports entertainment as as well, and we're just really looking forward to, to to executing all these events at the highest level we possibly can. And then, of course, it's Super Bowl Fifty Five. One year from today, I'll let you get back to your job because I know the clock is winding in your head. The only thing better than a Super Bowl, Rob, for Tampa Bay fans, would probably be if the Bucks made history and became the first host team in their same city of the Super Bowl. We're, we're not supposed to be biased, but I would sign up for that. <laughs> I promise you that. That would be, that would be pretty fun. Uh, I had the, the chance to catch it with Brian Glazer uh, a few weeks back, and, and we, were, we were talking about that, just how, how cool it would be. I mean, I look back and remember when they won it back in, oh, yeah. in uh, San Diego, and then 
you know, Ray J got filled a, a day later. And I mean, those are just some of those iconic memories in, in team Tampa Bay history. And I, I can promise you if that were to happen next year, uh, it would, it would be about as special as it can get. Well, just an extra carrot for uh, for Tampa Bay fans to to root and hope for. He's Rob Higgins, the executive director of the Tampa Bay Sports Commission, CEO of Tampa Bay Super Bowl Fifty Five Host Committee. Rob, thanks so much. We'll catch up with you later, buddy. Uh, thank you, guys. Appreciate the support. Hey, uh, thanks to Rob Higgins. And of course, uh, when we're talking about football. We think the football season is over with the end of the Super Bowl. No, 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 no. Not so much. Not anymore. Not in Tampa Bay. The XFL begins this weekend, and the Tampa Bay Vipers are going to be in action on Sunday. You going to watch any of that? I will. I'm curious to see how it does. I mean, if you remember, what was it last year or was it two years ago? The uh, Alliance for American Football started, and mm-hmm. you know, the first week the ratings were through the roof, and it went gangbusters. And you know, eight weeks later, it was bankrupt and closed. Um, I don't think that's going to happen to the XFL, particularly the way. I mean, let's face it, Vince McMahon, this is the second go around at this with the WWE doing this. And, you know, some of their deals they have with Fox and ESPN and ABC and that for televising the games. Um, but I'm very curious to see how the product is and, and, and then how it's received as well. So, um, you know, there's been lots of competitors over the years and none of them mm-hmm. seem to match the NFL. And I don't I don't think that's their goal. But, you know, can they get enough NFL fans to watch it consistently? Yeah, it's going to be um, something that's probably going to be better than the AF, AAF or whatever they call the, the was American Association of Football or something like that. Um, just because this is their second go around and having the TV networks, you know, these these leagues go bankrupt is what happens. They just run out of money, and um, and that was the case in the last spring league. But you know, if you love football, great, you'll watch it, I, I suppose. But what you find out is that. The reason what makes the NFL so great is its is its talent, right? Mm-hmm. And yes, there are players that you know get overlooked. Or um, I particularly would like to see a spring league survive. From this standpoint, it gives more opportunity to players, which you like um, for guys that that may not be able to make the NFL the first or second time around. Um, but but also, and especially for quarterbacks, I, I think. You know, it's really tough sometimes. I mean, you think about guys that have come out of what used to be, remember the World League of American Football, that the NFL actually had their own league in Europe. Um, and you look back at that, and a guy like Brad Johnson, who was, you know, Tampa Bay's Super Bowl quarterback. Um, you know, there, there's, there's Kurt Warner, you know, played over there. And he was, a, you know, a, a Super Bowl, what, MVP. So, I mean, um, you know, there, there have been... Uh, opportunities that uh, guys have gotten in other leagues. And, and that's the position, I think, where you just need to play. And if you're stuck on a practice squad as a number three, you may never get discovered. But if you're able to go out there and actually you know, work on your craft, even at that level, um, it might open some eyes and give some guys some opportunities. I just think it's important that those guys play. So I'm anxious to see you know, what happens uh, with the league, with the quarterbacks and you know, marketing is such a big part of those spring leagues. I think the Vipers have done a pretty good job so far of getting out in the community. And, um, you know, look, uh, this is another reality. Um, no matter what you say, it, back in the day, you know, the USFL had a great thing going until that league tried to go to the fall and got crushed by it. Um, and they ended up going out of business as a result. But if you remember in the early 80s, uh, the Bucks weren't going very well, uh, mid-80s mid, mid, mid in particular. 
and Hugh Culverhouse's franchise was the one NFL team that was outdrawn by the USFL team. I mean, they, mm-hmm. you know, they had a great marketing uh, campaign. The Bandits uh, came in here, you know, with uh, great ownership in the Bass uh, Company, and and then you know you had uh, Steve Spurrier as a head coach, and John Reeves as the quarterback, a very recognizable Florida quarterback. Um, Eric Trevilian, I mean, all those guys. And they just did it better than the Bucks did. You know what I mean? They they had a good brand of football. They were one of the best teams in the league. Um, you know, they had a little star power. I think Burt Reynolds was a part owner. Mm-hmm. I remember the first night, Lonnie Anderson, Burt Reynolds, and Charles Nelson Riley came walking in. It was bizarre. Um, but, you know, he was the ultimate, of course, Smokey and the Bandit. He was, you know, they named the team the Bandits. And so... Um, that was really cool, and it, it, it had a it had a vibe. It really did, and part of it was because the Bucks weren't very good, you know, and and people were starved for a, a team in Tampa Bay that won. And so, hey, if it pushes those other guys just a little bit, that's not a bad thing, right? I mean, you got the entertainment dollar now; it's a lot cheaper to go to a uh, an XFL game right now. I think you can buy a season ticket for about twenty dollars a game. Um, but I'm interested to see just what the reception will be in Tampa Bay because we know we're in the South. We know we love football, but ultimately it's going to rise or fall with the level of play and, um, you know, just, just how, you know, how good the, the entertainment is, right? Because once you get there, you're going to want to see, you want to see some entertainment. The other thing that's good about it is they'll be able to try some things rules wise that the NFL will get to watch and see how it goes, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so that's, what's good about those leagues. They can be experimental in essence. They don't have a history. They're not the state old, you know, establishment league. Um, and so a lot of the rules, you know, if they work out, the NFL take a look at it and might, might adopt some of the better ones. So there's definitely a usefulness. I'm, I'm interested. I'm not like over the top. Oh shoot. I got to sit down and carve out three hours on Sunday to watch this game. But if it's on, I'll take a look. And also this weekend, the Lightning are hosting uh, the New York Islanders. That game is on Saturday. And also, before that, on Saturday, we'll be at Rays Fan Fest at Tropicana Field. Stop by and say hello to myself and, and of course, Mark Tompkin. Uh, We'll have a chance to talk to some of the players, starting with shortstop Willie Adamas. We're going to probably talk to him around 1130. So if you have a chance, like to say hello, uh, we'll be out there and, and always enjoy that event. Of course, the Rays do such a good job. It is free. Bring the kids, bring the neighbors. Uh, it's a good time. So for Steve Verstink, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great weekend, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.